Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, this week's edition of uh, MGR Unplugged. I know that I said that we would try to have an episode of uh, MGR Unplugged over the Thanksgiving weekend, but it was frankly impossible for us. We were so overwhelmed with uh, multiple campaigns, work, and everything that we couldn't find uh, time to uh, sit down and chat about it. We were actually doing the work. It was actually a very busy uh, weekend for all of us here at MGR, managing all the uh, uh, customers' campaigns, and uh, specifically the uh, Amazon and Facebook and all the e-commerce clients. Um, so it went very well as um, uh, so far, and we are this uh, this week. We are on a Cyber Week, which is a little bit of the uh, the week after. But um, in any case, we're here today, and we're gonna recap a little bit of the uh, events that happened over the last weekend. Uh, we already have some of the numbers uh, from Amazon. It looks like um, <clears throat> pretty much as expected. Amazon actually uh, beat the record of uh, single-day sales, and uh, according to uh, Adobe Analytics, a company that we use a lot ourselves to uh, for all kinds of analytics reporting, uh, Amazon did $9.2 billion in sales. And uh, to put that in perspective, it's about 17% above the sales that uh, Amazon did last year. Um, the same day or the same weekend. So that's that's pretty high. And of course, this is just Amazon and doesn't include any other online retailer or the, uh, the uh, you know, the retail, the physical retail stores that uh, also will be gathering the numbers over the next few days. There's a lot of numbers out there, but they're, they're still kind of tabulating the numbers for the physical, you know, the, the retail stores at the Walmarts and the Best Buys and all that. So that will be coming later this week. But for now, um, we're going to start with that. Um, with me here is David, who is being uh, very hands-on all this all this weekend, and he has a lot of insights as well. And we have a lot of topics today. We we'll try to condense them into uh, probably a half an hour, forty minutes at the most. But hopefully, we can get to all of them, and um, we'll get started, David. Yeah, I mean the Cyber Monday was good. Um, it's always interesting because Black Friday has obviously been around for a long time and Cyber Monday is relatively new. Obviously it's it's not that new. It's probably been it's what like 10 15 years old now. But um uh Cyber Monday was at least on our client end from what I saw much bigger than Black Friday for e-commerce clients. Um which is not exactly what I was personally expecting. I thought that at this point because when people think of buying things I don't know if there's so much a distinction between retail and e-commerce anymore in the mind of the consumer. Um, I think people kind of buy things online and in stores interchangeably. Like, I don't know that people necessarily have a preference anymore. Well, there's still that kind of uh, allure of going to the stores right. and looking at the things. Which is interesting because I thought this would be the year where finally we saw about equal Black Friday versus Cyber Monday. And that was not the case. Cyber Monday was much bigger for most of our clients than Black Friday. Both are big. But as far as e-commerce, Cyber Monday was actually still bigger, which I thought would change this year. Let me jump in for a second to break down the numbers from Amazon that had like $9.2 billion, uh, in sales for the weekend, they actually have $7.4 billion on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, yeah so we that's, started that's our 20, Yeah, that's a 20% increase over last year. So even on Thanksgiving Day, people were actually shopping much more online than they were going to I stores. know. We call it Black Friday, but the truth is we started running all of our offers on actually Thursday, Thanksgiving, not on Friday. Um, and I think most, I mean, even a lot of companies were just running offers the whole week. But I think most companies now, even though it's called Black Friday, because everybody's off on Thanksgiving and that's when they can have time to shop. We started our campaigns and I saw, I mean, everybody, you know, you get a million advertisements, emails everywhere uh, all last week. But um, 
Yeah, no, I was surprised. I actually thought that um, Black Friday would be about equal. Black Friday, Thursday, Thanksgiving would be about equal to Cyber Monday. But at least on our end, I, I would like to see overall larger numbers. And it looks like it was the same for Amazon, that Cyber Monday was still the biggest day. But I will say, with that said, it still does not hold a candle to Alibaba, who did $38 billion in one day on Singles Day. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And we kind of discussed this a little before the podcast. And you said, yeah, but China has a lot more people. That's true. But the Chinese consumer does not have nearly as much money as the American consumer. The American consumer is the wealthiest consumer in the world. And they actually have more buying power than the Chinese consumer. Why do you think China sells all their products to us and not us to them? Um, and so, but the reason why, there's a, there's a lot of reasons. But I think the biggest reason why... Uh, Alibaba was so much bigger than Amazon. I mean, we think of Amazon, we think of this as this massive company, but they did a quarter of what Alibaba mm -hmm. did on yeah. their singles day, which is like their Black Friday. And the truth is that I think the main difference is that e-commerce and digital payments is just a daily part of life because they don't even have, like in the US, I think a lot fewer people pay with cash these days but still people use credit cards like physical cards and even like things like apple pay and uh in-store things you mm -hmm. still use like a card um not so much your phone it's it's more and more common in china nobody uses cash nobody even carries their own cards everything is your phone you either use wechat WePay is what it's called or Alipay are the two biggest. Right, and it's like the Apple Pay for them. Exactly, except there it's just massively adopted. And not only that, e-commerce splits between retail versus e-com. In the U.S., e-commerce of of the if of the of the consumer spending pie, only about fifteen percent is actually still e-commerce. So eighty-five percent is is physical. And in China, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's much larger towards e-commerce. Well, I understand. Uh, that's, that's probably the reason. I mean, let me let me just uh, make a comment that uh, I know China is way ahead as far as e-commerce numbers for Singles Day and all that. But uh, it's also because I don't think the Chinese consumer is used to go to shopping malls and you know things like we do here. I mean, I I don't think they have that kind of entertaining factor as far as going shopping per se to physical stores they versus do now, doing it online. Because there's so many. There's I mean, the, all of the biggest. Um, physical retail investments of the last decade have all been made in China. I mean, it's even a, a, the thing that you wouldn't necessarily expect, but is happening a lot now that I see, I mean, on a daily basis, I see high-end luxury stores, Louis Vuitton, Gucci, uh, you name it, you name a luxury brand, and now they're opening stores in Shanghai, in Beijing, in, in uh, all, all over, all over China. And that's because the Chinese consumer has more money now and they are opening these storefronts there because they want that presence. But uh, the truth is that because they kind of, their economy started really booming and the consumer started getting wealthier in the e-commerce age, whereas the American consumer has been wealthy for many years in the retail age. So we are going through a transition, whereas they basically... The last 15 years is really when the Chinese consumer has started to become wealthy and have spending power. And that the last 15 years is at the same time as the e-commerce boom. So all of the investment from Chinese businesses was in e-commerce, not in physical retail. It'll be interesting to see the breakdown of what the Chinese consumer uh, purchases compared to the U.S. Uh, consumer. Because, again, according to um, Adobe Analytics, um, it looks like 
we're talking Amazon numbers now, the, the 9.2 billion, but according to an, uh, Adobe, um, the, almost a third of those purchases were just smartphones, which tells you that you know consumers in the US are looking for electronics and things that they know exactly what they look like, what they are, and they're just waiting for the price reduction or any special offer or deals. And they don't need to kind of touch and feel at the store or anything. They know exactly what they're gonna get, whether it's an Samsung this or iPhone that, and then they just buy it. You know, and they're waiting for that opportunity to jump in and, and buy it at a reduced price or special deals. Um, the f- the and, thing- and so basically, electronics in general is a, is a big factor as far as what is for sale or the, the largest sales on Thanksgiving Day, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Whereas I don't know if in other countries, even China or even Europe, is more diversified as far as maybe clothing, maybe you know, yeah, decoration. Th- that's the like thing. That. The thing that is. Um, hardest to sell in the in, online is obviously what you would call like experiential items so clothing uh makeup um basically anything that benefits from seeing it touching it feeling it trying right. it on whatever in obviously clothing makeup uh shoes all of those are massive categories in the US and so those are still very dominant online another big part of retail too that you see a lot of companies fighting for is grocery and that is still that is of all the categories they're fighting for it cuz grocery is a multi trillion dollar category but almost everybody still buys their groceries in store i am a i probably if you put people in uh, percentiles of e-commerce customers, I think I'm probably in the top 5%. I buy a lot of things online. I still buy my groceries in store. Mm-hmm. Um, so things that, and that's obviously, there's a lot of reasons for it. Obviously, fresh produce, very hard to sell online. Um, anything that expires quickly is hard to sell online. Transportation needs to be refrigerated, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of reasons why. So all of those things that have barriers to being sold online is what's falling behind. That's always something like an iPhone. Okay, well, when you buy an iPhone, what are you looking at? Obviously, you see the thing. Uh, you see the pictures. You kind of know what an iPhone is. You don't really need to see it in person. Right. You say, okay, I see it has new cameras, the new specs, blah, blah, blah. Buy it. You know, you don't really need to see it in person. So anything that is non-experiential is is selling online really well. But I, I think the good news is that as big as e-commerce has become in the U.S., it's still got massive room to grow if you think that the U.S. within the next 10 to 15, 20 years is going to be like China as far as their e-commerce. And it has room to grow also, not just because everybody thinks e-commerce, thinks Amazon is killing the the big box stores and everything else, but that's not necessarily true. I mean, lately, Walmart is catching up pretty fast. Best Buy has done a very good job of fighting against Amazon, as you know very well. Uh, Target is doing well. Um, there's a lot of other retailers that are pretty much catching up to uh, Amazon, and you compare uh, year-over-year numbers, which we did. Um, Amazon has grown, obviously, about 20%, but then you have companies like Walmart that has almost doubled their sales, uh, online sales, from November 2018 to November 2019. Of course, double the sales when you have very few sales is easy, but that means that people are starting to look for their options, and uh, it's not just Amazon anymore. It's, it's all over Yeah, and uh, the, obviously online, too, the huge thing is D to C. All these companies that just sell through their own site, they don't sell through Amazon, Walmart, etc. And I actually think, and this is something I've been thinking a lot about recently, and I'll make a prediction now on the podcast. And that is that the biggest drawback with Amazon that 
a, a reason why a lot of companies don't sell their products on Amazon, despite them having massive distribution, is that Amazon is super, super controlling of all of the customer data and super, super controlling of the customer experience on their site. Mm -hmm. um, so they're, you're very limited. All listings pretty much look the same on Amazon. All pages pretty much look the same, whether you're buying a Gucci or a Gucci belt or you're buying a box of Kleenex. It's like the same page. Mm -hmm. And I think that if a platform, and I don't know who this would be, I actually think this, there's a potential for a Shopify-type company that already has a massive amount of... Uh, companies on their platform, they could make a some type of portal that is, uh, because the, the biggest challenge with D2C is obviously it's incredibly uh, distributed. So there's no central point to buy from D2C companies. If there were someone who said, okay, you can sell on our platform, you can fully customize your page to make your own experience, and you get access to all of the first-party data. Yeah, I think I, I agree that they would that they would get a lot of DTC I don't companies know if to, the to join them. Customization of your own page is a factor. I think. Oh, uh, it's huge for higher-end brand. Yes, it is huge. yes, but at the same time, I mean, I understand owning your customer data is a priority. I mean, if, that's, if a company that's does that because Amazon doesn't want to do that. I, I, of course, and Amazon I get doesn't it. want you to do that. But I mean, it's, that's something that happens across the board. I mean, if, even if you go in the hospitality, which we also know very well, uh, you go to companies like. Marriott's and Hilton's and every other major brand, they are staying away from allowing the properties to have their own independent websites, much to their disappointment. Yeah, because but that's big. That's hotel chains. I'm yes, talking but, about but independent brands. It's the same brands. thing. The same thing. They're trying to preserve their brand identity and they want the customer experience, the guest or the buyer or the shopper to have the same experience on the website across the board. So right, it's the same thing you said, like you're buying Gucci or you're buying something else. If I'm booking a Sheraton in Omaha or a Sheraton resort in Hawaii, the, when I go to Sheraton.com and look for my property, each page, each property page, whether it's the one in Omaha or the one in Hawaii, no disregard to anybody, they're going to look exactly the same. They, they look exactly the same. They have different pictures, but the format but is the same. But that's one brand. I'm talking about Nike and Gucci and whoever else having separate brands, but at least you have a a some form of portal, a platform. But isn't that what they did with the uh, enhanced brand content? I mean, yeah, but it's allow, still they, very they, they, limited. They on register Amazon. brands to customize their page. I mean, yeah, they have to use a template because they're using a third-party platform. Yeah, but, but they, they allow them to use their own graphics, their own credits, their own navigation, their own logos. It's a little bit of a landing page within Amazon that yeah, is more branded Amazon, than anything else. Amazon is playing the game of, and they give a little more data now than they used to. Basically, it's it's the typical thing where you know vendors ask for a mile and Amazon gives an inch. You know, and they slowly are giving a little bit more and more over time. But they're never, I really don't think that Amazon will ever just give uh, their sellers full access to all of the customer data that yeah, buys Yeah, that them. is a different point. Yeah, I totally agree with the customer data. That's the thing that if, you know, as a seller or if I were a seller, I will be very concerned about sending traffic to Amazon without owning the customer first or having access to the customer because Amazon wants to keep that customer. And we're going to get into that later in this, uh, in this podcast on ways that you can work around that when you do campaigns. But I think that's one of the things that Amazon, I'm, frankly, I think it's the same thing with any other online retailer. When you use their platform, you're basically sending traffic to them. They own the customer. True, the customer service the customer too. That's why they own it. Um, and then you basically just put their products on the shelf, on the virtual shelf, but that's what you're doing. I think there's a huge opportunity for someone 
I think Shopify or one of these large e-commerce platforms uh, has a bigger advantage to do it. I'm not saying that they will, but that there's an opportunity for someone to be an aggregator of DTC companies and let those DTC companies basically you take a Amazon takes 15%. Say this company takes 5% of all sales, but they, if they have the distribution and they say you can own the data and you can own the experience, I think companies would be willing to do but, but it. But you know that Shopify allows you to connect uh, your store uh, with Amazon. So, yeah, but you don't, but so it doesn't matter. Well, yeah. if you are concerned about the, I mean, a lot of people what just want to connect your store. Well, you basically, you can sell something on your store, you own your customer, but you have Amazon fulfill the order for you. Yeah, but that's just a fulfillment. Just like you can hire, well, yeah, you're just using you, Amazon's fulfillment services, just like you can use any other three three. Isn't that the biggest the biggest uh, challenge for most of the stores that they're not able to fulfill orders? Right yeah, away. but Amazon's three, uh, FBA for Shopify stores, in my experience, is pretty shitty. They give preference, like especially nowadays, holidays. If they have orders that are for Amazon.com versus some Shopify store, they're going to give preference to the Amazon.com. If your shipment's late, they don't care. Um, yeah, the, I, don't know, the I don't know about that being biggest, subjective. But, that's, um, no, that's but true. they have an API where you can actually sell everything on Shopify, own the customer, you process the transaction and everything, but and that's then it's not, basically babe. They're just acting as a 3PL, and that's fine, but there's lots of 3PLs. The advantage that Amazon gives is they own, literally in the US, about half of all e-commerce purchases happen on Amazon.com. They own the distribution. That's why people sell on Amazon. But, I mean, Amazon still has access to customers in many different ways. They have Amazon Pay, which also you can yeah, use Yeah, I mean, Amazon store. is they, smart. They, they can, own... Of course, of course. I mean, even if you sell on your own store, and even if you fulfill on everything, you still can use Amazon Pay or allow the customer to use Amazon Pay, and they Basically, the Amazon is going to get a hold of your customer no matter what because they are fulfilling the payment as well. So I, I think um, I think the customer data is a, is a major issue because not only are sellers giving away a lot of their profit with the Amazon FBA program, but they're also giving the most important part, which is their customer. So I, I think, um, yeah, that Amazon needs to... Like, an, uh, like, I just think that Amazon... And and they've this is the problem. Amazon keeps saying the right things. They hired a new guy who is now head of Amazon um, medium and small size business for all the small brands that are getting killed. And by the way, small brand on Amazon is anything less than like twenty million a year in revenue. Uh, that's what they consider small. So that's obviously a ton of that's most businesses basically. And that's why so many um, D two C companies are choosing even Nike said, we're out, we're leaving Amazon, we're done. Okay, they just did that two weeks ago. And that's a huge company. And they fought to get Nike on there for years. And they finally did in 2017. Nike brought on a new CEO who's the ex-CEO of eBay. And he says, you know what? We don't need Amazon. We, we can do it ourselves. We have the pull. And yeah. that's the point. That when brands have that exclusivity, they say, we have the pull. We don't need to be on Amazon. If a customer searches for Nike on Amazon and it's not there, they're just going to go to Nike.com. And it's the same for even smaller brands. And the, the is problem it, is, is it the same for smaller brands? Because I mean, obviously Nike has the name recognition and the brand name recognition to say, I want these Nike shoes. I'm going to go to Amazon. If I don't find them there, I'm going to find them somewhere else in any other Because retailers. if you're looking, it's a difference. But I mean, the, the smaller brands don't have that kind of pull, that kind of leverage but to they say do. I'm out of but Amazon. But they do, because if you're looking for, um, Nike's a big brand, but you know, even a smaller brand. Because the thing that Amazon gives you advantage of is customer acquisition. Because if, if you're not searching for Nike, but you're searching for uh, athletic, shoes. athletic shoes or whatever, 
then you're being on there and you you have your brand that they're giving you that access to distribution. But someone who specifically wants Nike or specifically wants your small brand, if they can't find it on Amazon, they're just going to go to your site. They don't have another choice. My point is that Amazon says the right things, but they don't do the right things. You know, they say, oh, we're going to be much better to smaller brands, but I haven't seen anything that they're doing that's beneficial. You know, in fact, it's the opposite. It seems like they're things are like getting worse for smaller brands. Yeah, it's been a little challenging lately. I mean, they not only do they start, they started kind of messing up with the vendors, um, uh, kicking them out of the program basically, or telling them, oh, you better become a salary instead of a vendor. Um, and then with their advertising platform, it was the same situation where you don't advertise enough, we don't have a, we don't have room for you. And now they're kind of uh, not being totally um, truthful with sellers and, and making their lives very difficult in different aspects where, where there is the initial listing, the, the program, the FBA, uh, customer service is not there. They they require people to pay like $5,000 a month for a dedicated customer service representative, which for many people or many small businesses does even their sales per month, you know. Yeah, the most, the, wow. I mean, obviously, I'm talking, but it's not even just smaller businesses. It's like, like their ad reps suck okay we have a lot of clients i'm okay? sure there's good ones but most of them dude it's very frustrating because we've in the past month i've had three different ad reps that are in contact that i'm in contact with and i've emailed them about things and, and, I, and I know they're busy but especially when they reach out to me and say hey let's set up a call and i say okay let's do it and they never follow up that sucks okay we have lots of clients and i'm like i'm begging to give you my money here but mm -hmm. they don't reply. They the ad reps suck. That's where they're behind because we we get the same uh, calls and reps from uh, Google, and from Facebook, from Facebook I mean, and everything yeah. else. And those guys are responsive. They set up an appointment. They send you confirmation. They talk to you. They dedicate all the time. They look at your case. And Amazon just some seems to be like way behind. You know, Facebook ad reps can be up and down, but for the most part, they're pretty good. But like the fact that I've ha I've emailed three different ad reps in the last month and I have not gotten a reply from any of them, and especially when one of them reached out to me, I, I that's terrible. That's terrible. For those who can see, David is raising his arms oh my up in the air and he's oh totally exasperated. I, I smacked the table. I, it's <laughs> very frustrating. All right, so let me ask you. Uh, we we have a situation many times, or many many clients obviously want to promote their products. And they want to boost their sales on Amazon, but not necessarily going through Amazon marketing channels because they are basically, for the reasons that we just explained, they don't get a hold of the customers. They don't know what's going on. They put all this money into and the it's FBA getting very program. Expensive. Yeah, and then it's I also mean, expensive to let's advertise. Let's put it this way. We, we saw over this Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend, and everybody, obviously, on all platforms, things go up. But we saw um bidding competition on the primary keywords for almost all of our clients double to triple mm -hmm. so if you're paying an average of three dollars a click we saw clicks go to six dollars nine dollars a click which is where i mean it's just right not i mean that's supply and demand and i'm assuming if that is actually similar in other on other platforms like google ads and yeah on but on facebook there's it, a lot of demand in those in in these 30 days or four or five weeks till the end of the year from or from from thanksgiving or just before thanksgiving through christmas the demand for advertising and for the I'll same give you a contrast is, is on facebook i think and this is obviously, you know, I'm only looking at our clients. I'd have to look at the bigger Facebook numbers, but probably I saw CPMs because obviously Facebook is more CPM based go up maybe 50%, mm -hmm. but I didn't see CPMs double or triple, yeah. you know, and 
that's the thing. Amazon and Amazon's limited too. The problem with Amazon's advertising is that you can't really scale it. With Facebook, you can scale. You can go from three grand a month to three hundred grand a and month. And the thing you- that I have with the biggest challenge with Amazon advertising is that as high as their costs are for the average person that is deciding, okay, do I have X amount of money for my marketing budget? How do I get the most out of my money? And the most is not just necessarily ROI, which is obviously is an important figure, but it's also, do I get my customer? Do I own the customer? Can I retarget the customer? Can I talk to them? Can I learn from them? All that stuff disappears with Amazon. And one of the things that Amazon does not provide, which every other platform does, is attribution. So that's another topic that I wanted to discuss because it's, it's hard to create a third-party campaign where you're driving traffic to Amazon when Amazon doesn't provide you any attribution information. In other words, where did the customer come from? So, now they do. Well, it's they new. say they do. Well, they, they launched it about a month ago. Um, I talked about it in Is our... that what the rep was not replying to you, by the way? <laughs> yes. Okay. I've contacted two reps about it. <laughs> No reply. Um, Maybe they're not ready. Well, it Maybe does. You're going to ask them questions that they don't know how to answer. Yeah, that happens a lot too. It does say they're in beta, um, but I talked about it in our newsletter that goes out every Tuesday. You can subscribe to that, by the way. Link will be in the description. It's free. If you don't like it, just unsubscribe. No hard feelings. Anyways, um, yeah, so they, they launched this called Amazon Attribution. That's what it's called. And it's basically that. You can create, it's very similar from what I saw um to like google tag manager where you can basically well not google tag manager maybe that's not Facebook uh, pixel no basically you can create custom links that allow you to see attribution um which you were not oh, able it's to do basically like the, the google campaign manager the utm links. yeah 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 that's what okay and uh yeah it's, it's very similar to that but obviously um it's just we have not been able to really test it much because they said it was available for registered brands. That's all it says on the page. And then when you click to sign up, there's a button. It says you'll be emailed when you're invited to the program. And uh, I think one of our clients has been invited out of all the clients. Yeah, we have. It's not even effective yet. No. Um, and I don't know how you get invited to it. All it says is you need to be a registered brand. But basically, it allows you to track if you run campaigns from Facebook, Google, emails, whatever. It just allows you to track. All right. Track. So, so the way the way to work around that until that happens but, is but can you track, uh, and I don't know much about the attribution because we haven't seen it yet, but can you also, can you just track where people came from or can you track actual sales? I mean, in other words, no, can both. you follow that's people the new, all the way through the sales process? That's the new method. Because we can track, I mean, you right now. You can do workarounds. You can send people to a landing page on your site and then send them to Amazon. Right. But you can't really track sales from that. It's very hard. A workaround that some people do um, that is a little tricky. Basically, Well, you can, you can use the affiliate You can do affiliate that. links. The problem with that is obviously you make money from those affiliate links. And Amazon doesn't like that because if they find out you're using affiliate links for your own and you're making money off of that, selling your own products, you can get in trouble. Now, I don't see people getting into trouble that often, but it is a little risky. And it's a, it's a dumb workaround. You shouldn't have to do that. You should just be able to do it regularly um, with this new attribution thing. But obviously, it seems to be in beta. They're not really inviting a lot of people to it. So um, the point is, Yes, you can send people to a landing page. This is how it's been done for years. This is how you always do it up until this point. You send people to a landing page, then on your landing page. Now, the other way you can do it that um, what most people do is on your landing page, you say, use this code, 10% off, whatever. They type in that code. You, that Only people from that landing page can get that code, so you, that's how you attribute sales. Right, right. Um, so there's workarounds, but 
obviously, when you do all those things, when you send people a landing page and they got to click again, they're going to put it a code, blah, blah, blah. That's all friction. And that, you, uh, you lose yes, customers. But in some cases, that. friction is justified. The, the advantage of sending people to your landing page is not just that you can track the customer or whatever, it's that you actually own the customer. Yeah. Because you can retarget that customer too. Uh, if, they, if you go directly to Amazon and you have a campaign, let's say outside of Amazon, like you have a campaign on, on Facebook, Google Ads, or any other third-party platform, uh, even YouTube, whatever, um, you send them there, you say, okay, click here, buy on Amazon, yeah, then the that's it, you're lost. The you biggest don't know thing that we do is, going. is you send people a landing page, you say, here's a code for 10% off, put right. in your email, then you capture their email. Yes, but if they don't buy, you can basically retarget that customer through your campaigns yes. with Facebook and Google and everything, and then if they don't buy now, they buy later, but you own the customer, and you can create your retargeting database and everything, which in the long run, trust me, that extra click is worth it in this case. I'm totally opposed to extra friction, as you know, and people that listen to this podcast know very well, but sometimes you have a little extra gate to go through to offer clients a little extra discount or something, but then you can retarget them. And when you add up to that or you, you factor in the uh, the customer lifetime value, the, 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 the options that you have to upsell that customer in the future is well worth the extra effort. Now, one trick I've, we've used before that is a little trick, okay? It's not a trick. It's, it's real. But uh, if you don't want to give a discount... What you can do is if your product is already free shipping on Amazon, then you can have a code at the top that says put in your email and get free shipping because a lot of regular e-commerce sites do this and they actually normally will charge shipping. But if your product is already free shipping on Amazon, then you can say put in your email, get free shipping, and then they're going to get free shipping anyways. But then you capture their email and you don't have to give a discount. So there's a little trick for everybody to use out there if they want to ca- capture emails. It's not deceiving. Hey, <laughs> you're going to get free shipping. free shipping, but, but at least you capture their email. Pay by you. It works. It does work. So. All right, so so um, so yeah. But just to recap a little bit on, on how people can get around this thing, I mean, I, I actually uh, always um, recommend to our clients that are trying to boost their sales on Amazon, but the Amazon platform is not exactly working well for them. Is to do with their own channels. I mean, the they, there's there's ways you can do it. You, you mentioned affiliate links. You can actually create different affiliate links for each of your affiliates. You can have a a network of bloggers and, and influencers. Yeah, and that's everything. a whole different thing. Right. So I was you, just talking about affiliate links so you can track sales. Right, for tracking. But you can create that. Then you can create your own, your own um, uh, marketing accounts with Pinterest, with Facebook, with Instagram, Google Ads, YouTube, and so forth. I mean, a lot of different methods where you can drive traffic to your own landing page um, while at the same time capturing your customers' information and getting information from them and then boosting your Amazon sales for different sources, which in turn will also increase your, your page rank and everything and your organic rankings with Amazon itself. The problem with Amazon advertising is that like most, uh, it's, it follows the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, which is that basically if you're selling a product, 80% of the customers are searching for 20% of the keywords. So typically, most products have five to 10 major keywords that almost all customers search for. Um, and when you only have five to 10 keywords to bid on, bidding goes up a lot. And that's why you see on Black Friday, bids triple. And when you're already, if you already have your, like, let's just do a very basic thing. If you have a product that sells for 30 bucks and you have it on sale for Black Friday for uh, 20 and your normal cost per click is $2, but now you're spending six, you basically went from, uh, you need one in 15 to get to basically $2 a click, so one in 15 gets you to 30. Now you're at $6 a click and you only have make $20. 
that's what happens. And you basically don't make any money. You actually lose a lot of money. And now some people are okay with that. They say, we just want to acquire a bunch of customers. So we'll lose money this Black Friday, but we're going to get a ton of new customers. That's fine. It's up to your strategy. But the problem is that when you only have, you know, it's like a auction for a rare painting. There's only one of that painting. So if you want it, you got to bid for it. And it's the same with these high value keywords. And yes, there's niche keywords and everybody does their niche keyword strategies. We do it too. But there's a reason why they're called niche keywords because not that many people search for it. Most people search for the main keywords and you're going to have to bid a lot for those. But on Facebook, you can obviously target audiences. Amazon is what's called demand capture. Someone's already searching for what you sell and you're just bidding to be the, the one that they buy out of the 10 options. Facebook is demand generation. You can actually go to people who might not be looking for what you're selling, but then you can convince them to. That's the difference. Yeah, each, and that's each why it's more has scalable. Pros and cons, but I still think that the key for the long-term um, view for most companies is to own their customer data. I mean, first-party data is, is invaluable. I mean, it's something that you cannot disregard at all. And I think um, I, I I agree that every, every company that sells products should probably be on Amazon or try to have a presence, but I don't think they should look at Amazon as a profit-making channel. Like, it's more of a branding channel, it's more of a presence channel, more but then... But more then they need to they need to market themselves through their own online retailing platform like a Shopify, WooCommerce, whatever they use. Uh, use their own channels, drive their own traffic, and then say, "Oh yeah, we are also on Amazon or Walmart or Best Buy or any other retailer." More and more, uh, we're working, and you know, because we work with our clients on a daily basis, and some are just focused on Amazon. They genuinely want to build their business around Amazon, but more and more. Uh, I'm seeing that a lot of clients are looking, and I agree with them, and this is, you know, we have our strategy meetings for this, but using Amazon as a customer acquisition avenue. Exactly. But then the goal is to not just sell that customer infinitely through Amazon, but to capture that customer and then get them hooked on your product and then bring them to your site. Just the the thought of having your main revenue stream coming from a a third party platform that you can't control at all, It'll make me not sleep at night forever. I mean, I mean, you you know stories of Amazon. They lost this thing. They they cancel the listing. They ban this product. They you upload something else, and all of a sudden there's an error, and your listing is down for three four days. That's basically revenue lost. You can't make up that thing, and you are at the mercy of their. Um, by the way, non-customer service to get it fixed when it's not even an error of your own. It's an error of the system. The system had a flaw. They black flag something. They the the product is not even live. And your whole revenue stream is coming from there. I mean, seriously, you are if, if you are doomed, is because you are actually not doing the right thing. So I agree with Amazon being a major channel that every company should try to be in and 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 have a, as a branding effort, as a distribution effort. But I will never ever use only Amazon for for myself. If I were obviously working with a lot of clients, if I were starting my own company. If I were to use Amazon, and that's if, but if I were to use Amazon, I would only use it as a customer acquisition avenue, not as a primary revenue profit source avenue. That's that's what I would do. I would right. try to acquire new well, customers, is, get them hooked on my brand, my products, and then try to get them Which to ironically is what Amazon did in the beginning when they were capturing everybody. They were undercutting every other retailer to the point that they didn't even make about care about making a profit. They just wanted to capture more and more sales and be the biggest e-commerce 
uh, retailer in the world, basically, which they are. But they don't. They didn't care much about the profits. They just wanted to get more and more customers, and they were undercutting basically every other big box retailer, as it happened in the last ten years. So their own philosophy is basically what sellers are applying right now, saying, "Okay, we need to be there." I think more than the um, uh, the other aspect that I like about Amazon is that they do a lot of marketing for you too. I mean, when people are shopping for a product, and then they do some of their marketing themselves. Um, so so that is good to have that kind of presence there. But again. I will never have that replaced my own marketing. I need to be always be in control of my brand and controlling my product, unlike Nike did. When Amazon doesn't work for me anymore, I just pull my products, but it doesn't make my company go under. It doesn't make my company suffer. I do it because strategically, and that's truly, it's good for me to do it. That's truly the goal, I think, of every company is, why do you use distributors? It, whether it's Amazon or any other distributor. Why do you use them? Because obviously they have more distribution than you. They have access to more customers than you. So the goal of any company is to be able to pull, have the pull that customers will go directly to you so you don't need distributors. That's the goal. Because at the end of the day, any distributor you use is going to come off of your bottom line because they're going to have their take. Uh, but obviously, when you're Nike, you can do that. Not every company is able to do that. But that's the goal. That should be the North Star of every company out there that ideally, at some point, you don't need distributors. Your customers just come to you and you're able to acquire new customers without the need of distributors. So let me ask you one, uh, one final question. Um, what would be your wish list of things that you think Amazon should do to make it easier for or better for both sellers and vendors and customers? Number one, uh, increase the support staff for sellers. Their customer side support is great. The seller is terrible. Um, increase the, the support staff and make them more competent, train them better. I don't know what you gotta do, but half the time, you know, obviously I deal with a million clients and a million cases all the time. So basically at this point, a lot of times I know more than the the customer service representative that I'm talking to mm -hmm. and I'll have to tell them, well, no, I've done this before and I've talked to this, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, it, better support. Um, data, that's something that I don't know if they'd ever do strategically on their part, but yeah, in, a, in an ideal world, give access to much more customer data because um, they actually did something recently that hurt uh, us was that the four that used to give you if you're doing selling FBA the names and addresses of all your buyers so that even though you didn't get the email address what you could do with like Facebook is you could take their name and address and uh, Facebook a lot of times is able to you're able to upload that and they're able to match it to an account they took that away now and that was because of course as everything there's some bad apples that hurt uh, people and they were taking those names and addresses and uh, trying to scam them, sending them uh, phishing things through the physical mail. So, of course, now if it, Amazon says we have to protect our customers, so if you're doing FBA, you don't need the names and addresses. We're shipping for you. So they took that away. That hurt. Um, but if they could at least bring that back and give a little more data, um, those would be the two biggest things. And then uh, this is something that I don't think they would ever do, but give more leeway on the brand experience um besides just adding a little bit of you know a plus content what it's called when you can have a little more i would make it so that uh pages are even more customizable but i don't think they'll ever do that because they like to have a unified experience on Amazon. yeah yeah that's that's a whole different uh, redo of the they could give but... more data and have better service that would go a long way 
All right. Um, any uh, predictions for uh, the last, um, what, four weeks of the year that we have as far as um, sales, Amazon? What do you think uh, may happen? Predictions? Um, I would say one thing that people should keep in that uh, this is, I didn't want to get into this whole tangent, but um, I would recommend everybody read the most recent issue that we sent out on Tuesday of the weekly e-commerce newsletter. It's up on our blog. Uh, you can just go to mgrblog.com. It's right there. Um, because I talked about one, the remaining e-commerce holiday season, you still have super Saturday, the last Saturday before Christmas, you still have free shipping Saturday, which is uh, not this, not this Saturday that people Saturday. listen. The following Saturday, the fifteenth, I think, um, and there's other days too. Uh, basically, more days that you can maximize on. And then I talk a lot about uh, if you're running your own e-commerce store, Apple Pay uh, has passed PayPal checkout uh, in transactions, and they're growing four times as fast. So if you don't have PayPal Pay on your site, you definitely need to use it. And I go into a little bit like we were talking about friction that. People don't like putting in their credit card every time they have to check out. If you have a one-click checkout option, that is a big, big difference. Um, so anyways, I recommend people read that. And if you enjoy it, you can uh, subscribe so you get those insights in your inbox every week. But that's pretty much all I have. Excellent. And you, you can do that. Uh, where's the subscription link? Uh, is it mgrh slash join or something? Or um, You can go to mgrh.com slash join or just uh, we'll put the link in the show notes to subscribe Yeah, to and that. it's also you go to the mgrblog.com. Like uh, David said, at the bottom of each of the articles, you say uh, you want to receive news, just subscribe. We only ask you for your email address really nothing else we just want you to be informed you can unsubscribe anytime we use perfectly uh we don't do any promotional emails standard uh email marketing systems is one click unsubscribe you don't like it anymore just cancel you can join anytime unsubscribe anytime we don't want to uh, clobber your mailbox that we know is pretty full these days so all right guys well this is it for today um everybody have a great weekend and uh we'll be back again next week with uh another topic i think david also has his own podcast uh uh, brewing as we speak uh, with e-commerce specific news. So um, until then, have a great weekend and we'll see you soon. Goodbye, everybody.